0: And welcome in to the first ever brand spanking new episode of what we're going to call the Musings on Madison show here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Well, I take it back. Not the Musings on Madison show. It's just going to be Musings on Madison. Freshly branded, brand new, brand new topic, brand new name. We got a great new, uh, you can't see it anyway. Don't worry about it. But we got a brand new space to talk about Blackhawks hockey. You'll probably see this popping up a lot in the middle of the week. Uh, talking about any of the Blackhawks things happening throughout the course of the season. And we might even make a special appearance or two whenever some breaking news warrants a further discussion. I'll be your host for most of those shows. It's Dave Melton here, assistant editor, and I don't even know what else I do at Second City Hockey, so we'll just call it assistant editor for now. And with me are two of the voices you've heard a lot on a lot of these shows in the past. First off is our social media manager and then a master of puns and Rockford Icehouse correspondent, Brandon Kane.
1: That's me. That is you.
0: And elsewhere, another familiar voice for those of you who have been listening to the show for a while, it is Shepard Price. Hello. My titles are my titles are a lot
2: less fancy, but we'll just call me the analytics darling.
0: The analytics darling, there you go. Yeah. We don't I mean, we don't know if you can put the puck in the net, but you can possess it for a long time, right? That's Exactly. What figured out. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're going to make 5 million, the guy that scores the goal is going to make 12, but it's cool.
2: I'm, I'm i'm like i see no difference between those two
0: amounts yeah exactly yeah yeah five million 12 million what could possibly be different so living off the
2: rest of your life anyway
0: <laughs> i i think could you live the rest of your life with uh an annual salary well not uh, just like a one time if you got 12 million dollars right now do you think you well yeah you can live yes. the rest of your life of 12 million dollars right Five, I could live a really
2: even, good life off, of, off twelve million dollars.
0: Yeah, even five million dollars. I think you'd be even after taxes, you get take home at least two of that. I mean, I think I'd be pretty set. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit older than you are. I know Brandon's close to me in age, but I mean, neither one of us is ten years old anymore. I think I can make that work. Yeah. Hey, I, mean, I don't. Know. Hey, maybe All right. maybe I win the lottery tomorrow, and we'll and then this podcast won't happen anymore because I'll be gone to somewhere warmer.
2: But you know. well, it'll, still, it'll still happen because me and Brandon won't have won the line. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. I'll wave at you guys from the beach as you're recording. Exactly. So um I was trying to think of a good segue from Waving from the Beach with the Blackhawks, but that didn't work. Anyway. I um, mean it
2: feel, it feels like the Blackhawks are waving from the beach watching their own season <laughs> pass them by.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and, and, well, yeah, they haven't even been in any warmer climates recently, so I'm trying to think of a way to get into this, and it's not working. So, But, yeah, the Blackhawks have been pretty awful lately. They they started off – it was so interesting. They started the season so well – so not well, I should say. Started off 2-5-2. and two. Everything was terrible. I think there was a lot of people in the fan base ready to fire Colleton, fire Stan Bowman, and trade everyone. And then they won hey. 7 of 11, and things were great. And now they've lost six of seven. And I remember we did a podcast roughly a month ago when we, we laid out the schedule for what the Hawks had coming up, and it, it looked like a nightmare. And then they won four of those games in a row. They beat Toronto, Vegas, Nashville, and Buffalo. And then since then, the doom and gloom that we were all expecting has arrived. But the Black, they, Again, they've lost six of seven. The only win was a 3 nothing victory over the Dallas Stars, which was surprisingly – enjoyable to watch, like maybe the most enjoyable game this entire season, short of the uh the pants kicking of Nashville a few weeks before that. But um I, I think the the thing I want to get into here with you two guys is, you know, the last three games, they've lost to Colorado twice, they've lost to the St. Louis Blues. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Right, Brandon Shepard, neither one of you guys are surprised by that, right? Not at all. No. I so I'm well, not
2: surprised that they
0: lost those games. I'm surprised how they lost those. That's games. that's what I wanted to ask you because the fact that they're losing these games isn't a big deal, but it'd be different if they were losing like 4 to 2 with a late empty netter that put the game away or maybe you know, you know, a 3 to 3 tie in the third and then they lost it 4 to 3. They're getting destroyed. Like right. analytically on the scoreboard, I mean, the aggregate score of the last 3 games is 16 to 5. I can't total the possession numbers in my head, but they don't look very good. Well, they might look good because of score effects, but everything just looks so bad. Like I remember when we were referring to that podcast we did a while ago, we had that Hawks kind of binary system of uh, their games being a disaster or not a disaster. The last three games have all been disasters. And even if it's you're playing two of the best teams in the Western Conference, they shouldn't be disasters consistently every single night. So I guess what I want to ask you, Shepard, is, we know the Blackhawks probably aren't a good team, but are they really this bad?
2: So let me start off by saying they didn't get destroyed analytically. Uh, they actually beat okay. Colorado both time, both games, in terms of analytics and in terms of course seed, in terms of shot share. And they also beat St. Louis because St. Louis is one of the worst possession teams in the league okay. this season.
0: Wow. Um, Woo! Yay analytics!
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is when people who don't like analytics will tell you that it doesn't paint to a whole picture. And this is one of the very few times they're correct uh, because the Blackhawks were giving up too many chances. Um, and then the system that the Blackhawks play, which relies entirely upon the goaltenders, because let's be honest, the Blackhawks have one of the five worst defenses, if not two worst defenses. They're better than New York, the New York Rangers. And that's about it.
0: Um, <sighs> And you know what? Like, I, I, I'm i not surprised by that, but hearing you say it out loud is just...
2: They're Yeah, it's, they're, they're one of the worst uh, expected goals against teams in the league. Um, especially at a per-60 rate. Uh, it's just I do think they're this bad, and if the goaltenders are going to have some down games, which they're both liable to have, and that's not on them, they should be allowed to have bad games? Other teams allow their goaltenders to have bad games? Look at look at Vegas with Flurry, look at other teams uh, that win with bad games from their goaltenders, the Blackhawks can't do that. Right. I mean, the, if,
0: Blackhawks, if the Blackhawks may have Hawks been, learned, they may have been yeah. with mediocre games from their goaltenders.
2: No. If the Blackhawks are ever going to win games, it's going to be because their goaltenders are both on Vezina paces like they were through until Colorado in November. Yeah.
0: Brandon, what about you? What What do you? Where do you think the Hawks are in terms of the – how bad are they scale, I guess, for lack of a better term?
1: Well, when they played Colorado, you would expect that game to be a disaster, right? They're the avalanche. <sighs> well, oh. that's,
2: why, that's why we call him the master of points. <laughs> good, good night, <laughs> everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't – it's kind of, to me, a bit challenging to evaluate, like, what they are as a whole because you have these three recent games against top opponents – and they didn't have Keith for at least one of those games or no for two of the three. Cause he played on the 29th,
2: two and a half of the three.
1: Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. Um, so you, especially in that game you're adjusting on the fly, like without him in the lineup. And, um, if the defense isn't great as it is and then you take him out of the equation mid game, that's going to be a cluster. Um, and one thing that I've noticed is they give up a goal in the first period all the time. They're outscored 8-2 yeah. to two in the first period in their last three games. And in their last six of seven, they've gone 1-5-1, and one, and they've allowed a first-period goal in every single one of those games.
0: Was it two seasons ago when they were giving up the first goal, like, it was, like, 15 games in a row where the Hawks gave up the first goal because it was the season Crawford was injured for most of, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And they, I think, they gave the I first think you're goal. right on that. Like, like, it was, like, 10-15. It was the craziest streak. And it, it looks like they're doing it again.
1: Yeah. So, there's, like, the old cliche of, like, start on time and whatever, which I normally roll my eyes at. But it's, like, with this team, like, hey, it wouldn't be a bad idea if they actually, like, really drilled that into the players' heads to – get rolling right away uh, because they're already behind the eight ball with all these injuries that are piling up Mm -hmm. and it's not going to be a, you know, good for their confidence that they're allowing the first goal all the time.
0: So I I wrote this article that uh, appeared at second city hockey today, today being Wednesday. And uh, the headline kind of sums up, what the whole idea of the article was is just one of the Blackhawks going to be something different. I feel like I've been watching the same team for almost three seasons now. Um, The 2016 to 17 season, I think is, or 17 to 18, whatever season it was when Crawford first got injured that season, you can kind of write off just because the goalie injury was unexpected. It completely changed the dynamic of the team and it kind of ruined the whole season. Fine. Season after that, they couldn't play defense and they were kind of a mediocre team. They had a brief, a couple of brief stretches where the offense kind of clicked, carried the team, but for the most part, you know, you knew that team wasn't going anywhere. We're, I think, 27 games into this season now, and I think I'm watching the exact same movie I watched last season, and it just – I don't understand what this team is even trying to do anymore because it looks like they're just spinning and – they're just running in place doing the exact same thing, and expecting a different result, which I believe goes down as the definition of insanity. So, Shepard, Brandon, either one of you guys want to take this. I mean, is there any reason to expect anything different out of this team over the final four months of the season?
2: I'll take this one first. Uh, it depends on what happens at the trade deadline. In all honesty, right. there's, a lot of right. pieces, there's a lot of pieces that should and could go out at the, de- at, the, at the trade deadline and even before then. Um, you're not going to sell high on Eric Kustifson, but is the question now that can you just sell him? Um, because anybody else, Dennis Gilbert, Adam Boquist, better on that blue line right now. Um, get them experience at the NHL level. Uh, we, we, will, we will continue to have, as we approach February, debates about the core, I think uh, is a time to start really going full out on the rebuild? Um, and it, if so, is, is Stan Bowman the, the GM you want doing that? Uh, I'm about to go on a tangent that will come back to the Blackhawks. Uh, okay. Well, hey, if don't, you, don't if, worry. If you, if
0: you get too far away, we'll try and reel you back in. But, I mean, with the know, way things are going, you've got plenty of slack.
2: Yeah. If If you've read my Twitter account, uh, at Shepherd Price, you should read it. Yeah, maybe. I'm just months, kidding.
0: Follow Shepard. He's great.
2: Yeah. If you uh, you've noticed that I've tweeted a lot about Rocky Thompson, who's the current head coach of the Chicago Wolves. Um, oh, yeah. okay. He is currently, uh, New Jersey just fired their coach, John Hines. Um, apparently, he's rumored to be one of the candidates they're looking at. I believe he's the perfect head coach for the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe now is the perfect time to bring him in. Uh, he's got experience with the young defensive court. The most important two players on the Wolves team that went to the Calder Cup final last season were Nick Haig and Zach Whitecloud, both of whom were AHL rookies. Uh, if that sounds like something the Blackhawks have going for them right now with Adam Boquist and Nick Bowden and Ian Mitchell coming in probably next year, uh, that's for a reason. Um, he's got experience with uh, – play uh, with young forwards. He's got experience with veterans. Uh and he's had success at every level he's coached at. And he's been an NHL coach on a rebuilding team because he had the young Edmonton Oilers pre-Connor McDavid. Uh he was an assistant coach on that uh staff when they had Darnell Nurse and Leanne Dreisidel, but not McDavid. Um I think he's literally perfect, and if he gets poached by the New Jersey Devils, I think that's something that the Blackhawks will regret, and I think if you're going to make a coaching change, do it soon.
0: And I, we, we've talked a lot about coaching changes about a month ago on this podcast, and I think we kind of – you know, when the Hawks won 7 of 11, it kind of put everything on the back burner. I think I remember joking about Colleton not making it to Thanksgiving. Well, he, he survived that, but, you know, with three straight disasters of games in a row – if you keep trending in this direction, like at some point it feels like something significant needs to shift in order to make that happen. And it seems like even though he was only hired a year ago, it seems like firing the head coach is maybe the easiest way to spark some sort of change within the organization. Um, I, and I guess since uh, Shepard brought the topic up, Brandon, I guess we'll go it over to you. I mean, I I think we're all assuming Jeremy Carlton's seat is warming up in a big way, but I guess how how warm do you sense it is right now? Do you think it's a fireable situation right now?
1: Uh, Maybe not right now, but back when things were a little bit rough at the start of the season, probably. um, The NHL, it always falls on the head coach, and GMs are pretty much lifers and can just hang around. I mean, look at Nashville. There you uh, go. So, you know, just with that trend of seeing NHL coaches just being fired at will, then that's it, just pleads that he would be the one who would be fired over Bowman. And I can't recall a situation where it was like midseason and the GM and the coach were both gone. That's not to say that it couldn't happen.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, and I don't think that they would fire him without making changes to his coaching staff first right and that's and, yeah that's with both of his assistants not just one of them
0: well well one of them might be in significant trouble or already is in significant trouble and might be losing his job but we're going to come back to that
1: later yeah well i'm talking about the one who hasn't been doing his job
0: oh, which oh
1: you're talking about thomas
2: mattel the yeah. power play coach the, yeah who who was led one of one of what should be one of the best power plays in the league, uh considering the amount of shooting talent and passing talent this team has. Uh to dump are are they are they still bottom five? Because it feels like it.
0: God, we've been saying it for a decade that the power play sucks and needs to be fixed. And it's just <laughs> It was okay when they were winning and now it's just Yeah.
1: Uh, it's
0: it was in the upper twenties. I'm 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 looking it up right now like to thank Hockey Reference for being the best website of all time. The Blackhawks' power play is currently ranked 27th at 13.41%. So that is bottom five. Bottom five. Yeah. The penalty kill is uh, hanging tight in the top 20 at 19 with 79.76%. But, yes, the power play is terrible again. And it it had one month where it was really good last season, and then it kind of faded down the stretch, which I don't think – I, I think everyone remembers that stretch. I think it was in like February-ish when the power play went like 40% for a month. And everyone – and I, I don't think enough people realize that the power play went right back to being garbage in March and the week of April that the Hawks played last season. But so, except for one brief month when Barry Smith showed up, that power play has been garbage under Colleton. So,
2: bring back – I know this is going to be sound like a hot take, but bring back Barry Smith. You know what? I
0: mean – out power play. It it's, uh, Barry Smith might be the head coach if they fire Carlton because they're gonna need somebody to step in and with all the Mark Crawford stuff swirling around him, uh, he, I don't see him getting promoted. So, I mean, who when, else do they have? Unless they, I mean, they,
2: when when can they legally hire Barry in the head coach of this team?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to. I'd I'd love to think about that. Um,
1: I'm yeah. just like picturing that visual of Barry Smith as like the head coach, and it's very strange to me. Yeah.
0: Well, everything about the season has been strange so far. Oh, undoubtedly. Also, to,
1: to go back yeah. to a point uh,
2: you wanted to bring up, um, when was the last time that a head coach and GM were both fired at mid-season? Yeah. Last season. Last season, the Philadelphia Flyers.
1: Oh, see, I always and, forget about the Flyers because they're always irrelevant. Yeah. Oh, they're good now, though. I I, just, I know. I,
0: I happened to. I was seeing all the Broad Street Hockey P- Twitter people mentioning that. You know the Flyers were flying up in the standings, no pun intended, Brandon. Uh, yeah. and I, well, except
1: for Nolan Patrick, I don't know what <laughs> has happened to that kid. Injuries. Anyway,
0: but they're like they were third place in their division. I had no idea that they were that good. All of a sudden, maybe they have a goalie. Um, uh, they
2: they have they have a goalie.
0: Well, you know, hey, well, let's go long term with them because I feel like they've had spurts where they thought they've had a goalie, and Carter Hart's good, and he looks looks to be the guy, but you know yeah let's let's let's, let's, let's see let's, let's see the long term let's, let's, see what see what how
2: that like. let's see what they look like in a few years
0: exactly um but getting back to the blackhawks i wanted to you know we talked a lot about the coaches and everything else and the everything else off the ice i want to quickly drop down to ice level and discuss the actual players on the team really quick <laughs> because i don't know what i don't know if there's any strong observations or things you guys have noticed about this team over the last two or three weeks or so but a lot of the narratives that I think a lot of the concerns we had about this team have been realized. Um, Well, first off, Patrick Kane's the only one that can score. Uh, Just points and goals in general. Um, Alex Debrinket's in in the biggest slump of his young career. Jonathan Taves is not, is making last season look like an anomaly. Um, Dylan Strom's been injured. Um, It just, they just don't, everything on offense, it feels like it takes so much effort for them to score a goal. Um, Do you, do you guys have any rhyme or reason or explanation for the struggles on the offensive side of the rink for them? Because that was supposed to be one thing that they may not be, uh, may not be so bad at power play exempted from this discussion temporarily.
1: Yeah. I don't, I feel like you hit all the points and there was a stretch where it was like line combination oh, yeah. talk and whatnot. That was, good and times. that was, yeah. So that was a thing that happened. And I think when we look back on the season, we'll look at that and be like, well, now that looks even worse now than it did at the time. Um, And I think the injuries have played somewhat of a part of it as far as the forwards. But at the same time, like you said, like they have the offensive potential. They just need to get their shit in gear. Um, And they have like new faces, I guess, like, Integrated into the lineup, you have Doc, you have Nealander, you have Kubelik, Carpenter, but for the most part, like those have been bright spots in certain stretches. So it's, you know, if these new guys are performing well, then maybe the core veterans should, or maybe not veterans, but the people that you would assume to be this new core stepping up as well. So, Debrink getting strong.
0: Yeah, it's, it seems like, you know, I don't have a problem with too many of the young guys. Like, Alex Neilander's kind of taking a step back from the start of the season, but, you know, he's only 21, so, you know, if he has some slumps, I can live without. Alex is slumping for the first time in his career, and hopefully he can just shoot his way out of it. Um, Patrick Kane seems like he's, you know, he, he just had his 15-game point streak snapped which you hear 15-game point streak and you think, well, he must be playing well. But I feel like towards the end of that streak, he was just racking up points in garbage time. Am I, am yep. I wrong on that, Shepard?
2: Nope. Okay. Uh, it, it, I think,
0: it, it seemed like every point he scored was not important. He was hitting eighth-inning home runs in a 10-2 to two game.
1: And you well, even that same, trailing like,
0: or winning, pick your one well, more. Trailing yeah,
1: the Hawks, Saying like those scoring chances were like dwindling, and he's like, "It was just going to happen anyways."
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: You you look at his MVP season
2: back in sixteen seventeen, and when he was just out there outscoring teams, and that's not what he was doing like 15 point, game point streak. He was just putting up like one a game.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just, it, it, I don't know. The the entire, it's it seems like with this team even like from the offensive perspective, it seems like everything has to be assembled so delicately, so perfectly for either everything clicks or nothing clicks. Right. And, and, and I just, it shouldn't be that way. Like, like that's, that's not how you win in professional sports. You can't cause you're, there's too many variables. Things aren't always going to work out for you. Like the game against Dallas, Dallas was playing its third game in four nights. They played the Hawks on Saturday and they had another game between that. While the Hawks, or maybe it was Sunday, but the Dallas had a game. They had to play another game, and then they had to fly to Chicago and play. The Hawks played Dallas, came home, rested, and then they had Dallas. You know, a kind of are already with an advantage against the Stars. Everybody was healthy for the. I, I think Strom might have missed that game. Maybe Kajula. So they, they, I mean, those are Strom's a pretty big piece, but they the the blue line was all healthy because Keith and Murphy played in that game everything was perfectly assembled for the Blackhawks to win a game and they did. And, and every other situation this season, it hasn't been assembled perfectly and they've lost. And a lot of the times have lost badly. And that just feels so it's, I, I just, I don't see how this gets fixed. It just like with, I don't see how you get this fixed within a season. If you, even if you fire the coach and the GM or whatever, I don't see how this gets fixed this season. And it's eventually, whatever they're trying to do, it seems like they're going to run out of time because the guys like Taves and Kane are going to regress at some point. Aren't they? Like, I, I just, I, I guess I'm trying to, to take the season in a bigger picture focus and I don't like the way the big picture looks. Shepard, right. Brandon, either one of you guys. It sounds like Shepard, you might have a reaction to that.
2: That's so that's, that's why I sort of want to, continue again as the season predict- progresses if they're out of if they're out of the playoff picture at deadline I, again i think at least one member of the core so i one member of the core who can be moved so the three guys tays kane keith should be moved at least one um, if if they're out of the playoff picture altogether. yeah because if if they're going to rebuild you need to commit To that rebuild, and again, before they totally regress, it might be too late for Taves. But before they totally regress, Kane and Keith are still perfectly useful players. Toronto could definitely use a a player of Duncan Keith's caliber on their first pairing.
0: Um, Could could they? There's a
2: lot of teams out there who will miss that on Taylor Hall, who could easily go for Patrick
0: Kane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I hate how much I'm actually listening to this idea now. Cause that, that just, that seems like that's where it's at. Like I've, I've been the, I've been advocating, like as soon as they, the Hawks started regressing as a team. And I've always been adamant about, you know, not tanking. Don't do this because, you know, ideally Taves and Kane are going to be around when all these young defensemen get here and the team's good again in the next season or two. I'm starting to very much be concerned that that's not going to happen. So I don't, last time we got all doom and gloom, the Hawks won and won four in a row. So. Maybe that's what'll happen this time. I think. Um, any other thoughts on the Blackhawks, gentlemen? Because I'm a, uh, I'm pretty depressed now, so I don't <laughs> think I want to say anything I, else.
2: <laughs> I have one. I have one line that I think could spark the Blackhawks, and I think it's, it might be a bold take, but the nuclear option is no longer Taves Kane Sod. It is Sod Strong and Debrinkat, And I think if if DeBrincat's ever going to be given the chance to shoot his way out of this that's the line to do it on because neither strom nor Sod is as is as much a finisher as debrinkhat is and i think having Sod who does basically everything but score uh strom who's having a really solid two-way game this season and is a really good passer and then De Brinkhead as that goal as their that line's goal scorer if anything's going to break out all, all three of the blackhawks at this at this moment the blackhawks three most important forwards out of their collective funk uh that line might do it
0: i'm i would absolutely You know what? They've tried everything else. Might as well try that. Brandon, any last thoughts on the Blackhawks? Nope. Nope. All right. Well said. We're going to take a quick break, and then Brandon Kane's going to let us know what's been going on with the next wave of Blackhawks, we hope, being the Rockford Icehawks. We'll talk about them right on the other side of this quick timeout. Welcome back to Musings on Madison, and as we promised before the break, we wanted to talk a little bit about the Rockford Ice Hogs, who, unlike their parent club, have had a reversal of fortunes of late, and I think uh, the biggest surprise for me has been that Kevin Lankanen has been the guy in that, not Colin Delia, who seemed like he was kind of anointed the next goalie in the uh, Blackhawks organization, but uh, he's... Seems like he might have taken a step back this season, and Kevin Lincoln has been playing really well, and the team's been playing better of late. And I could keep telling you about it, but there's not really a great idea because Brandon Kane has been there a lot and been watching it himself and been talking to a lot of the players and coaches. So I'm going to let him update you on what's been going on with the Rockford IceHogs.
1: Yeah, so the IceHogs on Tuesday night won their third straight game with a 4-2 win over Manitoba. It was, as expected between those teams, a pretty chippy affair. Uh, Delia made his first start since November 15th and had a lot of action with 37 saves. Uh, there was a extended penalty kill in the second period, and then there was one in the third period as well. Uh, Delia was on his game. There was one sequence where he was off to the right post and had to make a cross-crease save. Uh, so that was nice to see the the mobility is there, um, and he admitted after the game that a little bit rusty at the start um, and that's to be expected when you don't start for two weeks and you're on the bench or uh, you're in the press box watching so right And I think the the surprising thing of late is Yoni Tulala is a defensive defenseman, and he's scored goals in back to back games. And we asked him, we're like, are you a goal scorer now? And he was like, oh, I don't know, but nice to score goals. Um, just kind of jokingly. And Tim <laughs> Soderlund has kind of finagled his way into the lineup a little bit. And I don't think I've seen a prospect love playing hockey more than I've seen from him. The kid just flies around the ice and very like competitive. And if you were to you know, compare him to someone on the Blackhawks, just based on size, it's probably Debrinket, Um just being like a little bit feisty and sometimes. Um, and then Brandon Hagel has been the rookie MVP by far. He's leading the team in points. He is seemingly everywhere on the ice.
0: What about the goaltending situation? Like I, I mentioned it at the beginning, cause I've been, reading and hearing about it for a lot of from your tweets and articles at our site that uh, Kevin Lincoln is kind of the guy now.
1: Yeah. Kevin is definitely the guy. Um, <clears throat> he said he's just with each start, he's just grown more confident in the net and kind of equates it to, you know, in baseball when you are a hitter and you see the ball coming at you and it just seems like it's a beach ball. It's kind of the same thing for him uh, when he sees the puck, it's just, so big and it's like just easier for easier for him to stop than it was in the past and somewhat credits, you know, his performance at worlds to laying the foundation for this season and getting him going. But, um, all three of the goalies, uh, including Matt Tompkins have said that, you know, carrying three goaltenders is normal, but it works at the AHL level because if you have, drills in both ends then the goaltender is clearly working with the forwards or the defenseman while he's in net but then that third guy can work with pete aubrey the uh goaltending development coach and work on things that a guy normally wouldn't you know get that extra time with aubrey to work on things if they only had two of them
0: um, and you know all these other guys are great, but let's get to the really important stuff here. Tell us about Adam Boquist. What's what's going on? What's he doing? When's he, when's he gonna be back in Chicago? Like, just 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 talk about Adam Boquist because I need reasons to be optimistic right now. As you may have realized after listening to the first part of this podcast.
1: Yeah, so Boquist is in a bit of a unique spot with World Juniors coming up. Um, traditionally, NHL and AHL players don't go to the preliminary camps they may be named on the rosters or the countries may save them a spot hoping that the nhl team will agree to loan them for the tournament Um, so it's a pretty fluid situation from what i was told by rockford head coach Derek king and assistant andre Sorensen. of there's been talks about it they haven't come to a decision yet um they they want to know what the decision is so they can tell Boquist what it is. um, So he can know, Hey, I only have X amount of games here before I go sort of deal. Um, And it's a thing where they don't think it's going to hurt his development because it's only five games either way. If he's in the NHL or the AHL that he would miss, you know, so they don't think it's going to be a, it would be a big deal if he went um, and it's, the same narrative that was used with Haru last season of he's nineteen, he's this is the only time he's going to be eligible to play in this tournament again. So just give him that shot and see where it goes. Um, I just
0: don't want to hear Boquist and Yokoharyu in the same sentence ever again. <laughs> just just no. please, just please please save me from that. Thank you.
2: Also uh, the, the, the factors playing in the favor of him going to play is that he'd be Sweden's number one ice time guy right and, they, that he,
1: and he'd be playing in front of a home crowd well the, the tournament's in Czech Republic but yeah oh. be, it'd be him and Rasmus uh, Sedan Sedan um, Maple Leafs Prospect they'd be the top pairing Sandian yes that's it I was like I know what it is but um, and his he's just been more active offensively since he's been sent down just more carrying the puck out of the zone on his stick and setting up players. And that was evident in his second and third game back when he racked up five assists through both those games. Um, points haven't come after that, but the chances have been there. And it might have been, you know, he missed the net by a few feet or. You know one of his teammates that he set up did the same thing, so the chances are there. the points will come eventually, uh, but they're trying to focus on his defensive game, of course, and yeah. that's that's improving. He's been more aggressive and more quick with his decisions as to oh, I should close the gap on this or maybe hold back on it so that's been nice to see, even with you know the difference from before he was called up to. What I saw on Tuesday night, that was pretty evident.
0: Yeah, I think the thing I'm holding on to with Boquist is uh, I think the one of the biggest comps for him coming out of the draft because of his prototype and his nationality was Eric Carlson. And I remember after Boquist got drafted, I looked into Carlson's career. Carlson, I don't remember if he played a year in juniors or not. But anyway, he—he he, when he came to the NHL, he broke camp. I, I don't know if he broke camp with the team, but he made his NHL debut. He played a chunk of games. He went back down to the AHL for a while, and then he came back to the a- NHL and has never been back to the minor since. So, like Boquist, you know, I, 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 think, um, I don't, I think all three of us would rather it he be in Chicago right now and feel like he probably belongs to be in Chicago right now. I don't necessarily think he's like gonna fall behind schedule with he's down in Rockford. It just feels like he'd be better served to be in Chicago, but. It's at least I I'm, I have no reason to be concerned about Adam Boquist yet, so that that's one nice thing I can say about this is uh, Adam Boquist. I don't see him falling behind schedule or anything of that nature yet. So so that so there's that, guys. We we have something encouraging. Um, Brandon, any other Rockford thoughts or tidbits to mention?
1: Um, I don't think so. Just like with, I think people that don't watch Rockford games are, you know point watching for Boquist and you should keep in mind that the AHL game is not as clean as the NHL game and I think so we, should say, we should say this
0: several times the AHL game is such a different game than the NHL game that it's it's like it's almost two. I wouldn't say two different sports but it's just it's just two totally different hockey games and so Adam Boquist might be might be more a better producer at the NHL level than he will be the AHL level in terms of points. Is that, is that, that's fair to say?
1: Yeah. And then a guy like Lucas Carlson's probably going to do better point production wise in the AHL, just because he's more of a uh, guy who's willing to get into battles more and strip the puck away from guys against the boards. Whereas Boca's kind of hangs back a little bit, which is fine. That's what you want out of an offensive minded defenseman to set up plays. so sure. well, then you, want
2: the, you want the, that defenseman to do that board battle winning and starting the puck at the blue line and the defensive end.
0: Well, I think that'll wrap up all the Rockford ice hogs information for this podcast. And we want to transition back to the NHL now. And I don't know about your guys' timelines today, but after the article debuted from Mark Lazarus today on The Athletic with the the lengthy conversation that he had with Robin Leonard regarding um, this, all the Mark Crawford drama that's been going on, which traces back to Bill Peters and, and Akeem Aliou. And I think at this point in the story, we don't really need to recap everything that's happened. I think the the crux of the issue was just of there. there's been a lot of uh, verbal and sometimes even physical abuse by hockey coaches at all levels of the game. It's been, it's been going on for decades. And like even like some of the stuff, you know, some of the stuff that's come out about Mike Babcock happened within the last year or two. So there, there's a, just a very, and then we, all, we also have to address that Bill Peters made some very race, uh, racially charged or used racial slurs referring to uh, Kim Aliyu earlier in his career. And um, I, I think there's been some other instances that have come up, that I can't, don't recall off the top of my head right now. So the, the whole situation is that there's, within hockey culture, there's a very abusive relationship between some coaches and players. And it's kind of been swept under the rug. It kind of doesn't seem like it's been addressed really. And it seems like it's starting to come out a little bit. And there was a big article in The Athletic that I referenced earlier, where Robin Leonard was arguing about, I encourage you to to go and read the entire thing yourself because if I try and summarize it up here in a few sentences, I'm going to gloss over a lot of nuance, and I think there's a lot of good nuance in there. Basically, Leonard was arguing about the second chances that these guys deserve, and we were talking about this before we started recording, and even like between the breaks here, we talked about it a little bit, so I want to dive into this now because it's been a hot topic in all uh, corners of the hockey world. and I want to go to Shepard first since uh Brandon helped us there with the Rockford update um and I know Shepard had some thoughts on this as well so Shepard just what's kind of your your view or your reaction your just your thoughts to everything that's been going on uh since this Robin Leonard Robin Leonard article came out today
2: i actually wanted to listen to what you you two had to had to say about this uh to sort of gauge your opinions before i went on a rant uh-huh. Well, again, uh, um, all right, well, so I, I'm, I'm more than willing to hear Brandon's voice on this matter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Brandon, do you want to go first then? or
1: I'll let you go first, Dave.
0: Okay. No, thanks. I get the point about second chances. I try to, whenever someone gets into l- issues of any kind in the sports world, like I, I try to follow the optimistic side of the fence and I hope that whatever they did wrong, they, they come to terms with it, make amends for it, and like, and are able to, you know, resume their careers without having any more missteps and, you know, kind of free of that, whatever their wrongs were. And and I, I, I believe, like, I don't want to say people deserve a second chance, because that's not necessarily how it works. I think people have to earn the second chance. And I think that's the issue that a lot of people are taking with what Robin Leonard is saying. Leonard's saying he got a second chance because he was referring to he had all these mental health issues in life in general that just and addiction. and addiction issues. And, and I don't want to say that he didn't hurt people with them because, you know, he, he, there's probably a lot of family and friends that were hurt by the, the circumstance or symptoms of Leonard's issues. But Bill Peters like was hurting a NHL prospect that he was supposed to be like guiding, you know, Mike right. Babcock was hurting was abusive towards Mitch Marner, who's uh like was like was a teenager at the time I think when that all happened. So, it's it's a different son I think it's a different scenario that you know Leonard's appealing for a second chance because he says he got a second chance and he did. But I also think Leonard, you know, his I don't even think they're crimes. He just he had he had um, mental health issues and he re- recognized them and took care. Well, I guess that's a lesson here. He recognized he had issues. He took took steps to fix them and and now it seems like he's doing better so he's able to get the sec- he earned that second chance bill peters i to my knowledge has never apologized mike well, babcock he, he, go he ahead he apologized to
2: the white front office he never apologized to akimolu
0: yeah all right yeah exactly he didn't he didn't fully make amends for what he did wrong and and bill peters didn't my, uh, mike babcock did it and i think some of the the Sutter family, I believe, was getting involved in some of these stories too. I mean, we've joked – Brandon and I know we've talked about the, the story with Brian Sutter and Tyler Arneson in like 2002. We're at Tootsie's in Nashville, and I forget exactly how the story goes. I'm going to look it up while one of you guys is talking, but the two of them got into a fist fight, and basically Sutter just wanted to test the aggression of – just wanted to see Arneson get mad about something. And he decided to start a fight with him to prove that, which just seems like such a you know now with the benefit of hindsight like it seems like such a backwards way to motivate somebody. I just I, I don't understand how that was supposed to work. So I think my whole my whole thing is with uh, the, my reaction to Leonard's thing is I think people like I think second chances are are a valid thing and I think people can get them, but I think they have to be earned. And I think the issue here that a lot of people have with what Leonard is saying is that you don't just get second chances you have to earn them and the uh, people like bill peters and mike babcock haven't done anything to earn them and that's yeah i think that's the main issue that we're discussing here and Shepard, what's uh i guess brandon what are your thoughts on this whole thing
1: so one thing what what defines what hockey culture is i think that because like i have i have a hard time even like conceptualizing what that means like to me and to the general public, like because my experience with covering hockey is going to be vastly different than someone else's. So that's just a different scope that you're looking into the issue right at the start.
0: I I think for, for the, the the hockey culture, I think the idea is just the atmosphere of the locker room for, for, for the purposes of what we're discussing now. And it's like, is like the culture among the players and the coaches in the front office. Like, I think the media is kind of a, an outside participant of that. They're not, they're not actively involved in the culture of the locker room.
1: Okay. All right. So that's clear. Um, I feel like the rehabilitation and education is important, but it should be coupled with consequence as well. Um, yes. So say, I don't know, you have like a four-year-old kid. And he steals something from a store, like a piece of gum or whatever. The parents just not going to be like, oh, like that was bad. And just like give the gum back to the store, right? Right. You're going to sit down with the kid and you're going to say, this is wrong. This is why we don't do this. And then like normally in that situation, there would be an apology. Um, So that's kind of like the example that I have come up with on this. Is there needs to be this is why this is not acceptable, and here are the steps to not do that anymore, and why? And I feel like when you have the steps to as to why it was bad and like why it's something that shouldn't be done in the future, then that sets an example not only for the person who did those at wrong actions, but also sets an example for those that are gonna come up after that person into that role, or a role similar to it. So then you set a precedence for, this is what is acceptable behavior for doing X, Y, and Z, or interacting with players or management or what have you. Um, and I, th- there's another aspect to this of like the player combine interviews. I'm pretty sure those are very like.
2: Yeah, I've heard a lot rough. of bad things about them from the NFL the NFL and the NBA. So I'm sure the NHL NHL's sort of similar.
0: Yeah, somebody asked I think it was was it Cedric or some NFL player, Cedric Bence is the name that comes to mind, but I don't think that's who it was. Some player got asked if their mother was a prostitute
1: yeah
2: that these questions get asked to sort of throw a player off their game and that's it's, it's not
1: appropriate yeah yeah because like I, what i think is there's i just kind of think of like is that something that would happen in like a quote normal like business interview Well, or like a normal business environment no so right, like why no. is it acceptable all right sports?
0: all right but like uh, that that's one area where i i like I don't want to make it sound like I'm at like, I'm excusing the asking a player if his mother's a prostitute, you can't do that. That's, that should not be allowed, but you cannot, also you cannot compare professional sports jobs to a quote, normal job because there's, they're so wildly different from each other that it's just, it's not a fair comparison. Why, why, why are they wildly different? Though? Because in the, pro- so- in the professional sports world from the day you walk in, they're trying to replace you. They're trying to find somebody that is younger better, and cheaper than you. That's not the case in a quote normal job it's it's a it's an entirely different world and i, I don't I don't think it's fair to make the comparison just because you know your office job is not the same as what an uh professional athletes have to deal with that it doesn't mean that some of the you know some of the overarching uh some of the overarching principles can't apply but and there there's so much difference there. Like the Venn diagram between those two does not overlap very much at all.
1: Okay. I'm just saying like these these organizations employ people and do interviews, you know, with like someone who's applying to be like the business rep of sales or or whatever what, have, what right. have you. So like how can a how can an interview process be so wildly different within the same organization for two different people and like the code of conduct in that. Right. Yeah. I know that's like, you know, diverting a little bit off this subject, but that's, mm-hmm. that you was know, more of my thought on it. I guess. Yeah.
0: There's, it's, it's, it's interesting again. And like, I, I know I said the thing earlier about, you know, the, the, the Venn diagram, not overlapping and whatnot, but there's still like, there still should be some, I guess, like code of conduct within the organization that should still be able... It may not work in every single situation, but maybe it could help at least establish some some baseline, like you said, Brandon, for this is bad, so we're not going to do this.
1: Yeah, and I would hope that that's not just like one team or one franchise, that that's across the board throughout the league of this is what we deem to be acceptable practices and not
0: yeah well I guess I guess that it comes down to is who who makes that decision whether is it the team president is it the general manager is it the owner and out of those whoever's making those decisions is what do they really care about because I think I think the majority of them all they really care about is winning and making money and I think um, whether or not their culture is good is kind of takes a back seat to that which is probably part of the problem to begin with. Um, yep. So now, now you've heard from me, you've heard from Brandon. So Shepard, all you. Talking about culture. Uh,
2: if, if we don't take efforts, take steps uh, as a sort of me, as the media and as the NHL, if they don't make steps to sort of increase diversity in their culture, then that's not gonna, the sport isn't gonna survive as a white sport. Um, that's sort of what I wanted to go off of, too, is, is talking about education rehabilitation. That only goes so far. There's a massive difference between a four-year-old stealing something when they don't know that that's wrong versus a 40-year-old man who's been raised not to be violent and not to be racist, being violent or being racist, uh, and then not apologizing for being violent or being racist.
0: Well, um, I mean, just how do you know he wasn't raised to be those things? Okay, I mean, that, cause that could be the problem. He but, may have that way.
2: But I'm sure in Canada, they have the same cultural norms because both, I believe both Mark Crawford and Bill Peters are, well, Bill, Bill Peters is American, right? So, but I, I cultural, cultural yeah. norms would suggest that being violent and being racist are not acceptable things. Uh, especially for middle-aged men who should be guiding young, young men. Uh, that those things are not accept, acceptable. And those, and the, they're,
0: they're both. What I'm,
2: what, what I'm concerned about is that Mark, like there were allegations against Mark Crawford in November of last year um, from Brent Sopel and he still got hired to the Blackhawks. And I, I don't like what that says about the organization.
0: Yeah. That that's very, I, I wasn't aware of the Brent Sopel stuff from November.
1: I think what yeah, that shows is there's a poor vetting process. Like, if right. you were hiring oh, yeah. a coach, you That's should go one. through and look and say, hey, he was a coach of this player that we had within the organization. Let's give them a call and see what their, you know, experience was with the coach. Like, yeah. that, that doesn't seem like it's that hard.
2: <laughs> no. It, 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 again, it's a bad
1: thing that they didn't do their due diligence. Yeah, I mean, and Maybe they like... did and they just ignored it. Like, we don't know.
0: Yeah. And is that like they have a hard time reaching Brent Sopel? I'm, I'm sure they've still got his phone number somewhere. Yeah. A guy who
2: played that? in the organization. You couldn't just ask him.
0: Where did the Sopel thing come from? Was that like on another show or is it on radio? Like, I, I totally that, that was, missed
2: that. Uh, I believe it was in print media.
0: Okay. I totally, I totally missed that part of the story.
2: It's online. Yeah. It was from November, 2018 when Crawford was like a part of the Ottawa Senators organization.
0: Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that's. That that's the other thing about so many of these, or I shouldn't say, well, some of these accusations is like they're not that old. Like you know, the Mitch Marner thing happened a couple years ago. The the allegations against Mark Crawford were, you know, within the last couple years. Like this is not like the distant past. You know, right. like like these are things that like, I know the all of the sports worlds can be. You can get put into a bubble, and you're kind of shielded from society, but like the fact that that kind of things was still going on in 2016, 2017 is like, I can't believe, well, I can believe it, but it's still surprising to hear that it was going on so recently. Like that's just, especially with pro athletes. Like I can't believe that they're like, there's, if this was a thing of, I mean, I could get down in in the juniors where these players are teenagers, but if some guy in the NHL was kicking Players in the back. I can't believe one of the players didn't turn around and punch him out. Like these guys are, you know, yeah, they have their are, own egos and million. They're millionaires. Some of them. Like how I can't believe some of them they've learned to the fight too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. I was. I was surprised that that never led to more confrontation. And maybe it did, and that got swept under the rug too. But I mean, if I just I have this like you know, if a thought of a, an NHL coach kicking a hockey player in the back on the bench during a game, like. I don't know how that doesn't end in a fight, especially during the heat of a comp- of a you know a hockey game. I don't know that's that's something I couldn't wrap my head around. Um, the, the other the other thing about this situation, and I feel like you can take what I'm about to say and apply this to oh every single problem that occurs both in and out of sports. Um, so Bill Peters got fired. Mike Babcock was fired before all this, but may not get another job afterwards. The concern I have is that. You know, Bill Peters will will lose his job. Mark Crawford might lose his job. Mike Babcock mm-hmm. will get another job, and then we'll pretend. And then this will, the story will slowly go away, and we'll pretend like everything's fixed. But it's it's like this seems like this is like one of the issues I have. Just the way things tend to work these days is that a problem comes out. Somebody has made the face of that problem. The faces of those problems gets you know gets some sort of uh, has to face some consequences, and then we act like the problem's going away. Like right. there aren't other people doing this. Like there aren't other players being abused. There are other aren't other players who are minorities getting racially profiled by their coaches. Like that's the the thing about this that I I I wish and hope that something good comes of it. But it feels like we're already headed down the same path of uh, we're going to make these two or three guys pay the consequences, and then we're going to forget about it. Do you, right. do you guys and- see the same thing happening?
2: I'm uh, yeah I'm, I'm worried that that's not I'm, happening. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm already resigned to that fate.
2: The NHL needs to again the, the NHL needs to make steps towards diversifying diversifying the sport if they're going to survive into the for the next 100 years and I I'm worried that those steps aren't going to get taken. Yeah.
0: And that, and that's another interesting conversation that is is beyond the scope of this podcast and probably I I don't even wouldn't even know where to begin with that topic but yeah it's 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 interesting how, like, there's been a lot of intersections of sports and society in pretty much every sport the last few years. Hockey seemed kind of immune to that. You know, like, none of the – you know, you had the kneeling, the Colin Kaepernick situation with the NFL. The NBA's had, you know, pick your favorite one. You know, the thing with Hong Kong. They had a bunch of the players doing um, their own protests during the game. I mean, all these intersections of sports and culture, or sports and society, have happened in the last four to five years. Hockey seems like it's been largely immune to it until now. I just, it's very. It seems like it's. It, it always comes around, you know. Yeah. I, I don't. I felt like I was going somewhere with that, and then the train just completely stopped. <laughs> and yeah, I You're uh, like the
1: Blackhawks power play. <laughs>
0: Way to bring it back home, Brad. Nice, nice work. Um, so we guys we can slowly, awkwardly transition back to Blackhawks hockey real quick. Um, as we were talking about earlier, um, the Blackhawks are in an ugly stretch, and it probably doesn't get better because on Thursday night they play the Boston Bruins, which is not a good matchup for them pretty much <laughs> ever. And with all the injuries they have, it's probably worse. So after that, you're looking at. The New Jersey Devils have just fired their coach, so maybe that'll give the Hawks a little bit of a leg up. But then they come back home for one game against Arizona. Then it's on the road to Vegas, Arizona, and St. Louis, and then home to Minnesota and Colorado. I'm just looking at the schedule before Christmas, and, I mean, there's a few matchups there that seem favorable with the New Jersey one and Arizona maybe, but I don't know. I just – do you guys have a reason to be optimistic about this team in the short term? Other than no. the fact that maybe just the market will correct itself and they'll win four or five after losing six of seven?
2: No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Yeah, the, the, problem,
0: the, the problem is they have to
2: face Colorado again. They're going to lose that game. Yeah. Uh, they have to face they have to I was start trying to glance Boston. over that one. They have to start with Boston. Uh, David Pasternak is probably going to score a hat trick. Uh, Arizona isn't an, easy, isn't an easy game at all because their goaltenders like the Blackhawks are going for Vezinas, each of them, uh, Darcy Kemper especially. Uh, I don't know. Like, we, we projected that Jeremy Colleton isn't going to make it past Thanksgiving. If Jeremy Colleton makes it past Christmas, he will never get fired.
0: <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's good times, isn't it? Brandon, what about you?
1: Seems like Festivus is gonna be like a month long thing. It might <laughs> turn into like a year long thing. Well
0: this this podcast is pretty much just the airing of grievances. So
1: Feats Feet, of Strength is gonna be holding down your
2: lunch watching the Blackhawks play. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: you, and you know what? Because I, we've been we've been effectively pessimistic because of what's been happening on the ice now, uh the Blackhawks are gonna win four or five. It's gonna happen.
1: I will say like the the bright spots that I do see before um christmas that game against new jersey the two games against arizona because you know everyone's going to cheer for every goal because it's probably a former blackhawk or a current blackhawk scoring it
0: yeah all right well i guess we all have that to look forward to Um, (laughs) and
1: then they play minnesota so like maybe minnesota comes back to life and or like goes back down to life and is what they're supposed to be
0: yeah well yeah yeah i I was surprised that they're winning again but I
2: don't Uh the problem with Minnesota is that another former Blackhawk is one of the best players because Ryan Hartman's having a great season. <laughs> oh
0: god, I forgot I forgot he
1: existed. Don't worry. I, I think uh so did the stars and everyone else. Do you guys remember when he got like, got traded and he was like off on a yeah. lap? <laughs> and now he's playing
2: again, now he found a system that works for him and is playing
1: well. Do you think he'll be traded to the Jets this season? It seems like he's just trying to hit all the central teams. I'm hoping
2: Colorado add some de- add, add more add even more depth to that team
0: well we we can we can only hope i think well i, I think that's going to do it for this first edition of musings on madison thank you so much for listening uh shepherd price is here he is at shepherd price on twitter brandon kane was also here he's at brandon M. Kane. i'm your host underscore dave melton on twitter uh follow along and probably come join us the group therapy sessions that we'll be watching blackhawks hockey over the next few weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Uh we'll be back. Uh, we'll, we'll just we'll be back at some point. I don't know. But, uh thanks thanks for listening and once again for the love of God. Dot go
2: dot